Hey, I'm Waylon. And I'm Allie. Welcome back to the Entrepreneurs Podcast, the podcast for and by female entrepreneurs, hosted by the Entrepreneurs Network, a network for and by female entrepreneurs, creating communities through conversation. Each week, we bring you stories of female entrepreneurs around the world as we kickstart our own entrepreneurial journeys together. Today, we are delighted to have Astrid, the founder and CEO of Nora MX, the first Mexican brand of period underwear. Astrid focuses on combating period poverty through education and making reusable period underwear more accessible to women across Mexico. Join us as we talk with Astrid about how organization has aided her and how her entrepreneurship empowers us to reconnect with being a woman and the most natural cycle there is. Hello and welcome back to the Entrepreneurs Podcast. We are so excited and delighted to have on Astrid today, who is the CEO of Norm. How are you doing today? Fine, thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Amazing. We're so excited to have you on, especially being able to find these connections of how we got to know you, a friend of a friend, just talking about the Entrepreneurs Podcast in a conversation. That's all that all happens. So, so excited to have been made this connection. So just to get started, we'd love to ask you, what excites you when you wake up in the morning? What excites me when I wake up in the morning is definitely knowing that I have, uh, even though my day is kind of planned, I have, you know, everything organized and very, very organized. I also, at the end of the day, don't really know what's going, gonna, going to go on. Um, like the new challenges that I'll be faced with. I think that's really what motivates me and excites me every morning. I love that so much. And I think that the you can already see the entrepreneurial spirit loud and strong just by the way that you talk about challenges and how you're excited to wake up and kind of face them. Um, you mentioned that you um, are super organized and I'm always looking for new organizational systems. What is it, your number one tip you give people who may not be as organized or want to start getting their life together? Well, first of all, I've become more organized. So that's been also a challenge. Uh, I would definitely say, like, try to dedicate two days or maybe one day if your calendar can allow it just for meetings, just for calls, and have an external uh, calendar for that. I, I think that's the most like important basic thing. Like, if you can have, like, all your pending video conferences or interviews or anything that you might need that's a meeting and needs you to be at that place at that time, definitely have it in a calendar for two days of, of the week and sort of just stick to that. And that way you have other days of the week where you can be a little bit more creative or get other things done. I think that for me has been like a very key, uh, just like hobbit, I mean hobbit, sorry, a habit that I've been doing <laughs> lately. Yeah. Uh, just to have it like just Tuesdays and Thursdays is the day you can count on me for meetings. Other days I am focused on other things. That is so funny you mentioned that because Boyle and I were talking about that yesterday and we put a whole schedule together for, you know, going back to school in about a month. Will and I have a bunch of commitments and we're like, okay, which days are we going to do this? Which days are we not going to do this? And you're totally right. You can't be completely on and focused on everything all day. You have to have days where like you focus on some things and I could not before that like, oh, you could do everything all day, but that's not how it works. You can have these days where you should be in like your creative space and like you don't take calls and you really take a step back. And other days where it's like all about talking and partnering and putting yourself out there. How did you come to this realization? Like what led you to realize this was like a way of working for you? I am a very creative person. So sometimes I just need to have that creative like energy and just like sort of mindset and also space like I need to have a, a certain amount of time during the week where nobody is bugging me or nobody is like you know oh I need help with this or I need you to approve this 
So I kind of have it set up so that I have that time for myself. Also, uh, very important, just the work-life balance. Uh, I know millennials sometimes think we can't have that, um, but it is possible and we can have it as long as we get organized. So I really like to make sure that I am not having meetings way too late or way too early or every single day sort of around lunchtime because then I won't be eating well. So it just becomes like this sort of, I mean, it's kind of like a snowball. If you don't get that organized, I think it just uh, gets worse. And that's what was going on with me. I had so many projects to approve. Now I have employees. So I had to be, you know, approving um, certain things. And it was just getting to be way too much. So I needed to organize it and sort of just be like, this is a day you can count on me for different things. This is a day I will be checking on production or other areas of the company. So that for me was just like this huge thing. I was starting to feel burnout and I said, I have to, to get organized. And that is exactly what I did. I love that so much. Absolutely um, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, switching gears slightly, um, I would love to find out where your entrepreneurial spirit kind of started before we get into Noir and all of the amazing work you're doing there. We love to ask our guests, like, where did you see, like, little seedlings of the entrepreneurial spirit early on? Well, honestly, I've had it since I was very young. Uh, first of all, my mom is a single mom and an entrepreneur herself. So I had that since I was that I had that role model. And also just since I was little, I had this uh, kind of knack uh, to just sell things and sort of be like very entrepreneurial. And if I had to raise money for fundraisers at school, things like that, I would always uh, just find ways to, to get it done. Also, my sisters weren't very outgoing. Um, they're a little bit more introverted. So they would actually end up having a bit of like a crisis and I can't fundraise for this at school. So I would be the one to be like, just give me the candy bars, I'll go sell them. And that's just, it's always been since I was uh, in kindergarten, basically doing the work for my older sisters. And to this day, it's, that's kind of how, I've, I've never really gotten rid of that. I had a whole different um, educational path. I studied psychology and I still um, just had this uh, entrepreneurial mindset already. So it just, it's just something that I've never been able to shake off. And it's honestly something I never would. But it's just always Love been there. It. It's always definitely been there. Um, yeah. But definitely how, having my mom as a role model and just she saw that when I was little. She kind of just, you know, pushed it and nurtured it. And that's how, that's how and why we are the way I am today. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. So what led you to start Norex? I'm so fascinated. For those who don't know, what do you guys do and what problem are you guys solving in the market? Well, we are Mexico's first and only national period company underwear. So we make period Ooh. underwear. For anybody that doesn't know what period underwear is, basically an alternative to pads and tampons. It's a reusable alternative. Uh, it's not intrusive. I know a lot of people know about the menstrual cups. That's a great boom, but there are some women who do not want something so intrusive to their body. So period underwear is a perfect solution. Uh, there are great companies all around the world. In Mexico and Latin America, there are very, very limited companies. Uh, so I started noticing that. Uh, I realized that there were so many companies in the United States. They were having this great boom. You know, people were, were, were honestly having a great experience. I myself um, have always been obsessed with period products. So any new period product I had to try. And I was fascinated by period underwear and I wanted to have, um, I, I was always having like a difficulty finding them in Mexico. 
I had to always buy them in the U.S. And then when I would talk about them here, you know, my friends would be like, what are you talking about? That sounds amazing. Some would be like, that sounds way too good to be true. Uh, so so uh, I ended up trying to get uh, other companies to, you know, to start importing their products over here. Uh, it was very difficult. I tried to, I spoke to several um, American companies and, you know, gave them this whole business case. You know, Latin America has such great uh, potential for this market and they just were not interested in Latin America. So being as stubborn as I am, I was like, okay, if I'm having this great experience, I want other women to have this great experience. So we are going to make our own. Like it, it should not be that impossible. And that started my amazing journey of researching, testing out different uh, fabrics and prototypes, getting the right fit. Uh, what do women in Latin America want out of underwear and out of period products? So it was just very, very kind of like going back to basics and finding everything made also. Like we wanted the textiles and fabrics to be made in, in Mexico. Uh, and because we have a great uh, industry, fabric industry, textile industry. So I just really wanted it to be 100% made in Mexico. And after about three years of just going through this whole uh, just amazing journey and also very tiring journey, we were finally able to start selling the first version of Noir in 2019, uh, pre-COVID time. And... Honestly, it's been a great uh, almost two years of, of our company that it's now finally at the market. Obviously, we've been doing this for a while now just with research. But for two years, women in Mexico have been able to buy their own period products, um, period underwear, and just have a different alternative, revolutionize their experience. And we are now also exporting to Latin America. I love how you were able to go from, you see a problem, you reached out, you did your research, you really try to get other companies like in the market and for them to say no, and then for you to start your business from there. I think that's such an interesting story. I feel so dumb. Like, I honestly don't really know how period underwears work. And like, I use the pads, like that's kind of like my main form of um, period, I guess, like, uh, not tools like the uh, like my period usage yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah product. don't worry about it of course product. yeah look yeah, period yeah. underwear is very very similar to pads in the essence of it's not intrusive uh it's just imagine a pad and then your underwear just you know just kind of combined so it's that lasts it's all day. like regular underwear it lasts all day ours especially lasts all day there's different uh versions of different brands but ours lasts all day so it lasts uh, typically about eight hours. Obviously, this is going to depend on every uh, woman's cycle and menstrual flow. Every woman is different. I know they like to say, you know, it's three categories, light, medium, and heavy. No, there's so many different uh, things that, you know, kind of factors that go into it, uh, diet, exercise, whatnot. So ours lasts about eight hours, but usually our clients use them up to 12 hours, depending on the day. You know, there's heavier days and lighter days. So I have clients that use it 12 hours. I have other customers who use it 24 hours, um, you know, obviously in lighter days. You can just wear, it's just normal underwear that has uh, different layers of different fabrics that help uh, basically, you know, get all your flow. They won't let, uh, you know, you won't have leaks. Obviously it's like an anti-leak uh, technology. Also they'll make sure that it's like very fast drying so you don't feel, um, you know, sort of wet all day. There's so many things that um, that's just a lot of uh, textile technology, basically, that helps us. 
and it just feels like normal underwear. It looks like normal underwear, and you just it all honestly makes uh, your period kind of like not disappear because we're all about making it visible and like talking about it, but it does give you like something less to deal with uh, during your period. That is so fantastic. I'm just so curious. Did you come at this like from like person? Did you come at this from like the technology point of view? Did you come at this from the business point of view? Like what's your passion about this and where do you think most of your innovation lies? I think, I think it would, neither business nor technology, I think the main thing is just the, the, the user experience and women's experience. So when I was younger, uh, my sisters are 11 and seven years older than I am. Um, and it was just a female household. Uh, my mom's a single mom, so there's no dad around and it was just women. And I would notice how all my, my two sisters and my mom had very different experiences with their periods. Um, I had a sister who barely, um, you know, had a period, she had like two, three days period, very light, barely any cramps. Uh, on the other hand, I have another, I have another sister who ha is a, has a heaviest flow and she has all the symptoms and she would cry like uh, every five minutes during her period. And my mom would, um, she didn't have like a lot of pain, but she did have a lot of leak, leak problems. Like she would get stained all the time. And as an entrepreneur, a mom, especially, you know, almost 30 years ago, that was definitely like a huge no-no. It was very taboo. It still is, but very, very much in, in her day. So I would, she would hate her body uh, once a month and it was awful. And I was just like looking at this and being like, how is that going to happen? Like what, what experience will I get? And I just made sure everything would be different. <laughs> and that's why I was very obsessed with products. So when I noticed that I had a great experience with period underwear and that I could give that experience, that great experience to somebody else, that for me was my motivation. Like just making sure women could change their experience, could love their bodies, could, you know, sort of reconcile the relationship that they have with their periods. Um, it's something that we have for about 40 years. Uh, so it's very important that we have a good relationship with it. And I just felt like every other period of product in the market did not really give you that. So that for me was my main drive, like just, just change the experience for women and have them, you know, get a little back, a little bit of their power back during their period. I love that so much. And love I think that I resonate, yeah. yeah, I resonate with that on like a couple different levels, I think. So the first one is definitely this idea of how you're making period like products accessible worldwide, regardless of your like in like regardless of your income, regardless of like your ability to access these products. Something that made me aware of um, period poverty was in junior year of high school and sophomore year of high school. We would go to India and we would do service projects there, and we would learn about how the girls would deal with their periods. Either they were not allowed to attend school during their periods because. They just didn't have the products. They would use tissue paper. They would use washcloths in order to stop their flow. And even going in and giving them like pads or tampons felt almost like a temporary solution because they could only use the pad once and then it was gone. And then we, there was only so many pads we could bring. So I would love to see like this company kind of grow and expand to be accessible to everyone. And for everyone to be able to own a, like a period underwear would be incredible. 
but I have a question. Like you come from a psychology background. Um, we did a little LinkedIn stalking too before you came on. Um, and I saw you like worked in therapy. You worked and helped out with like um, autistic kids. I would love to know how you went from psychology, you went from that passion all the way to kind of period underwears. Well, it's been a journey. <laughs> it's been a journey. As you can see with my LinkedIn profile, it's been a journey. I've been kind of all over the place. Uh, so I was where I, I came out of psychology. I, I did my internship for the Mexican consulate in New York, and I worked with immigrants. And I had also worked with autistic children. And that, those two combinations were amazing experience. I mean, very, very rich in knowledge, just amazing experience I would never trade. But they did leave me with a bit of burnout because there were just really uh, heavy situations. And uh, here in Mexico, our psychology, um, you know, university is very, very like hands-on and we, we get into it, you know, first semester. We have interviews, like we, we kind of do therapy a bit, but they don't really prepare you. Nobody prepares you for like the exhaustive things that you can see, like the heavy things, like working with immigrants in Mexican immigrants in the United States, uh, you know, with the consulate was very, very just heavy. Then I had um, here in Mexico, the autistic clinic, again, also just very, very heavy things. And I started getting burnout. And then I was a teacher, which I think is the profession where you have more burnout than and ever, or like in any other profession. So I was just, I had this huge burnout and I was, I'm also very much a workaholic. So I was giving so much of myself and then I had nothing else. And my mom was like, you need to take a break. You need to, you know, do something else. Come work with me in the family company. Uh, you know, you can, you can definitely, you know, sort of like get your mind off of this and maybe see what you want to do. So we did that and she worked in company like different area, which is international commerce. So import and exports, and I was getting into that, and I was very good at it, but it wasn't my passion. Like, I liked, mm-hmm. you know, customer service. I liked the idea of innovating, and I liked all of that stuff, but it wasn't really my passion. And, I mean, I had always, at the back of my mind, always wanted uh, to do something, you know, in, in sales. When I was rejected by the different American companies, I was working with my mom. So I kind of just put that in the back of my mind and just one day that I was also starting to feel like a little frustrated, like, okay, I don't have burnout anymore, but what do I want to do? So that's when, you know, back in my mind, it was like, hey, you have this great opportunity that you haven't really, you know, looked into again. And I just started getting to work on it, trying to see, you know, patents and things like that. And that's just basically how it led to, um, I think. It's not like a very specific path that, that one takes, but I would never trade my psychology background for anything in the world. I think it's been amazing. And at the end of the day, a lot of my customers that find out, you know, about, about my background, they're like, you're still dealing with mental health because you're dealing with, with menstrual care. And at the end of the day, it's so important for women to have great menstrual care to have mental health and vice versa. So I think at the end of the day, I haven't steered too far from it. I just kind of took a break and came back and made it my own. You are such a queen and I'm so impressed with everything you're doing. Um, <laughs> but I think this conversation we're having is in some ways, I'm going to say to us, quite a privilege because as Wayla mentioned, there are many girls in the world who unfortunately don't get to place emphasis or any love into your period. So what sort of efforts are you doing to help those who are not given even care or don't know about the periods from an education point of view beyond, oh yes, this is a better way to use it or like how to mitigate the pain. But what happens if you're like shamed in some cultures you are for having periods? What's your response to that? 
Well, we are working with an organization in Mexico called Menstruación Digna, which would translate into a dignified menstruation. Uh, and basically what they are doing is making sure that our government and is talking about periods, you know, getting uh, period products accessible at school. We do not have that. You know, if you, if you are in a public school in Mexico, you go yeah. to the nurse's office, there will be no period products for you at all. Um, there's a lot of other things. I mean, we have a tax on it. Uh, there's just so many things. We have a big problem with period poverty. Um, you know, as you guys mentioned before, you know, India, there's this huge problem uh, with period poverty. And it, it ends up being all around the world. I didn't know my own country had that. I knew about it. I had always read about it. But I didn't know Mexico had it. So in Mexico, one out of 10 girls doesn't go to school uh, because of period poverty. And it's something that, you know, I would read about in Africa or India, and I would just kind of figure, oh, that happens there. And no, it happens here too. We actually don't even have enough studies to, to actually, it's just kind of an estimate. We don't even get to, to have that funding to investigate if we really do have that high or if it's even higher, you know, a number. So it's actually something that's been done just basically by small organizations, companies. Uh, we are part of the menstrual revolution movement here in Mexico and Latin America. We try to educate, uh, you know, through our social media, not just about, you know, buy this product, buy our new color, but also, hey, did you know that, you know, your menstrual flow doesn't actually have a smell? Did you know that there's different types, you know, kind of give, you know, new and better and more efficient menstrual education just on our on our social media and website. But we also support uh, organizations like Menstruación Digna, and we open up other conversations. Also, talk about you know inclusive vocabulary, you know, uh, people who menstruate versus women, etc. And you know, sort of you know talk about the different aspects of just the whole period of movement. There's so many um, topics, and it's just so intersectional that it becomes a lot of work, a lot of just work that if you're going to be a period, a new different alternative uh, period uh, product company, you have to be in that. So that is what we are doing. We're sort of setting that um, precedent for other uh, companies that want to, I always, you know, encourage other companies, not just in Mexico, but around the world. If you are not satisfied with your period products, you know, try to fix them, try to make new ones. Uh, there'll probably be women who will want to try them, who will want to, you know, have a different experience. So I always invite them for that. And I think that's what we're doing. Uh, right now, we want to get to the point where we could have a bit of a buy one, we donate one, but we also want to take it a little bit further, not just to donate, but to also, you know, relieve some of the problems. We would love to just donate, but at the end of the day, if they don't have access to water, they don't have the correct educational, menstrual educational education, they won't really use the product. So let's go back to basics and sort of, you know, go teach them. Uh, you know, try to like fix how can we, you know, there still be products, for example, menstrual cups and period underwear that are not um, effective or useful for women who don't have access to water or a bathroom. So we need to sort of like think about that. The women who are, just like you guys said, we are privileged to, to have this conversation. And we're also privileged to try different products. We have access to those products. So I think it's not just a privilege, but also responsibility to try different products in benefit of our of our planet that really needs that, but also, you know, to sort of push for other women who don't have access to these products to get the products that they do need and that can be used in their communities. I love that so much. And I think you bring up such an important point of education at the like at the 
foundation of it. Because if you look at the way that most girls are getting their period education as of right now, it's usually like motherly figures in their life or um, like either a grandmother or like an aunt teaching them. And this form of education, at least in like a lot of cultures, I would say is not necessarily problematic, but it's not necessarily the most accurate way of getting information about um, how to manage your period and like what period products work best for you. Um, so I definitely appreciate all of the educational portions you're doing and realizing that it's not just about making money, it's also about changing the culture. What have been some of like the difficulties with that? Because essentially what you're doing is not just selling a period product, you're trying to change the culture around something that's been here for generations on generations. Um, what have been some of like, or the failures and the mistakes that you kind of gone through um, and how have you overcome them? Well, it's definitely been a very challenging, uh, first of all, it's a very taboo subject and, it, and also just, you know, sort of like curious um, uh, facts here. Uh, the word taboo comes from a Polynesian word that's tabua, which the origin is a little like, you know, blurry there, but one of the uh, words does mean, like one of the, I guess, meanings of tabua is menstruation. So there's actually nothing more taboo than periods. It, really, there isn't anything else. So that's been the main thing. And Latin America, we have a very Catholic, uh, mainly, or just Christian um, culture, and we have to hide it. Like, it's a very extra taboo. You know, there's uh, other cultures, you know, American and European, you know, a little bit more open-minded in, in this uh, subject. But here, it's very, you know, shush, shush. Uh, you know, you still get separated at schools, uh, you know, for your menstrual education, they teach you one day in like one school year and that's it. And if you remembered and you were present, great. If you weren't, you know, too bad. Um, as you said, you know, a lot of the education is also, you know, sort of like handed down. So then a lot of myths and just, you know, kind of, you know, fake news or whatnot uh, gets passed down. And so I have to be uh, challenging that. I have to be telling them, no, you know, periods don't smell. You don't have to, you know, we like to put chamomile on all our period products in Latin America because apparently chamomile just makes everything better. Oh uh, my so goodness. Them, you know, no, that goes in the tea. It does not need yeah. to go in underwear uh, or anything. Just period products in general do not need chamomile. And they will be like, but it will smell. Like I know. And I'm like, no. And I have to teach them something that, you know, for generations has been taught and it's just, you know, very, very difficult sometimes to go with that. Also, as I mentioned, there's just so many uh, subjects and sort of topics in the menstrual movement. So, for example, one of them um, being, you know, feminist movement here in Mexico, Latin America has gotten very, very strong, thank goodness. Uh, but also, it, they're still, it's still beginning. So we're still kind of in early stages for certain subjects. So, for example, the inclusive vocabulary is a big, 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 big uh, deal. So you have to be very careful of how you you approach it. You don't want to alienate women who are learning about period products and different, you know, having you know, sort of a re-education of period, uh, period just in general. You don't want to alienate them too much and give them way too much information. I think sometimes it's like you don't want to scare them with too much wokeness. So you kind of have to do it a little bit, little by little. Uh, that's been the most challenging. And then just general in entrepreneurship here in Mexico and most of Latin America also as around the world, you know, women entrepreneurs are a little bit more discriminated. But then when you talk about something that is so uncomfortable for so many men, because they will, they've never been exposed to the word period or menstruation, it just becomes even more uh, challenging for somebody to, to talk 
or to let you, you know, sort of like have a meeting. Uh, we have been, we have always been part of different contests, uh, different TV shows. I can't mention the name, but different TV shows that have like this whole co um, competition of different entrepreneurs. And we've done that. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we always, everyone's excited about it. Oh my God, it's amazing that what you're doing. But at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, but we don't think viewers will want to see that. Or, you know, this, we have other issues or there's bigger problems in the world, you know, for, for a lot of people, that's what they see. So I think that's just been so difficult on so many levels, like not just with my clients sometimes to, to take a baby step, but also in the business side, just to, to be a woman talking about periods very, you know, openly has been very, very difficult business-wise. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, it also um, gives me the, I guess, privilege of, uh, of being able to do things on my own terms. And it takes me a little bit longer, but I can set the rules. I can set different, uh, just sort of what I want to accomplish with Noir and not have other people expecting or certain things from it. I love that. And the whole expectation thing is such a pan an epidemic, especially among female entrepreneurs, these expectations, pinning against each other. I totally resonate with what you're saying. Um, as we begin to wrap up the podcast, I'd love to just ask you a few questions. The first one being, what is something that you love about yourself today? I think my resilience has been amazing. I, I used to think it was a bit of a curse. I would always be like, why do I have to be so resilient? Like I could just like take it still for a while. But at the end of the day, that's what um, is just kind of like the drive and it sort of brings, gets me to these big messes. Sometimes at some point in Nora, I was like, how did I end up with this? It started as a small project. How did I end up with over a thousand clients in our country? How am I exploring? What is going on? Uh, so I think that's just been like just my resilience and just sort of um, also mischievous part of myself. I think that's what I love. But definitely my resilience is something that uh, just stands out to me all the time. I also think your ability to be so flexible and open to ideas, like really being able to take a problem that I think a lot of girls see and like make it into a business. I think that's something I definitely like am so inspired by. Um, another question we love to ask our guests is what is something that you are grateful for today? I'm definitely grateful just for, for my family, for the, for the uh, female uh, strengths I've had around me since I was a very little girl. Um, all the females in my, like all the women in my family are just very strong and have great stories to tell. Uh, so I think I'm very, very grateful for that, just for that power that has been sort of inherited on. I think that's awesome. And I'm very excited to be able to do that whenever I have kids to just give them that female power that I was inherited. That's absolutely amazing. And just to finish off, what does it mean to you to be an entrepreneur? It's oh, so many things, but I think one of the, the main things is just to be a game changer. I think that's the, the main thing. Like just to be an entrepreneur is to be a game changer. If you feel like you're not changing something, um, you know, take a look and try to change it. <laughs> Sorry for the repetitive words, but try to change it so that, you know, you, you leave a, um, a, your mark and then you make a difference in the world. Love it, love it, love it. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. For anyone who wants to know what you're doing, how to connect with you, how to support you, where can I do that? Uh, you can find me in Noir, um, well, on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us at Noir MX. 
Uh, and you can also find me um, also Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn as Astrid G. Molina. You can find me all the time, anywhere. I am on all social media platforms. Uh, except TikTok, I am on TikTok, but I will not make anything productive there. But you can definitely follow me and you know see what random thoughts I have and ideas. Love it. Thank you so, 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 so much. I so appreciate you having you on and connecting with you. Likewise, I'm very, very uh, honored to be here, be invited on your podcast. I'm so, so grateful that there are podcasts in different platforms like yours that are helping women um, have just an easier time navigating uh, the entrepreneurial side of the world. Thank you. That wraps it up for today's podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you learned a lot about Astrid and how her experiences established Norm. Thanks so much to Shreya and Claire Lee as our podcast producers too. Check out our past episodes and look out for our upcoming episodes featuring inspiring female entrepreneurs through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to this podcast now. To stay updated and involved, join the Entrepreneurs Podcast community on our Instagram and LinkedIn and get in touch with us to share your own entrepreneurial journey or really anything else.